0: mode i'm one of your hosts robin b and i'm willa Rowe. so this week predominantly we're going to talk about one great visual novel and one great game that people keep calling a visual novel <laughs> even though the developer gets very angry when you do that yeah oh before we start actually we should say because it will be up by the time this oh, comes yeah. out we need we need to be better about advertising ourselves. <laughs> well, we've never needed to before because mm-hmm. the only thing we had to advertise was the podcast people, this that you're currently listening to if you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. So all of the 23-year-old lesbians who listen to us already know about our podcast. But if you are one of those 23-year-old lesbians or anyone else who listens to us, I don't know, you should check out the latest episode of the Press Start podcast, uh, which you should be listening to already. Uh, if you're not, you've you fucked up. But uh, yeah, this would you be could a great be, chance.
1: You could be listening to a good gaming podcast.
0: Yes, but there's still time for you to correct that mistake. And now would be an especially good time because this week the hosts Tori and Noah were kind enough to invite us onto their show uh, and let us run around like little gremlins through their their podcast. We had a great time. Well, you know, we'll see if we're invited back. That yeah. will determine if uh, if they also had a great time. Yeah, we talked about kind of our start in games journalism and our, our takes on, you know, the kind of fucked up state of the industry right now. Mm-hmm. Talked a lot about old games, new games, um, talked, talked about a- modding 3DSs. We talked a lot about our relationship, which was fun. <laughs> we talked yes, it was very fun. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear uh some girl mode backstory, the mm-hmm. uh the origin story of our friendship, you will have that on that podcast. Um Willa showed off her PSP at one point. That was I did. fun. Mm-hmm. So, there's lots of good stuff in there. Uh, I would highly recommend checking out our episode and then checking out the episode uh, that doesn't have two maniac trans women running around as well, because it's just a very good podcast. We'll have a link to the show notes there as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I guess also, since we're shouting stuff out, go buy the fucking trans TTRPGs for Trans Rights bundle. It's still available for two more days, I think, when this goes out. So, go buy that immediately or you're not allowed to listen anymore, uh, with that out of the way to the topic at hand. So do you want to start us off with the Life After Magic discussion? Because yeah. you wrote uh, a piece on it this week that got some really nice responses from the developers, actually, and made us both very happy to see. Yeah.
1: So Life After Magic is this visual novel that I had been excited that was coming out. And then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, it's complete. It's on Steam. So I played it. It's the way that I've pitched it is kind of it's a game about what if like Sailor Moon and all the Sailor Scouts were in their 20s and had burnout kind of. That's like the mm-hmm. the elevator pitch that I've been saying. But it's just this really, you know, beautifully made visual novel that has well done writing. The characters in the world are amazing. The art is really beautiful. This like 90s pixel, like dating sim vibe. It's all just really fun. It's really, really queer, which I very much enjoy. Um, You? (laughs) It's just a good time. And I just really liked it. Um, So yeah, I, I wrote a whole article about it. And the developers were so nice about it. They were like, "Thank you so much
0: for taking the time to write about our game." And I was like, "Yeah, of course. I really liked it." So <laughs> yeah, thank anytime. You. anytime, you make a great game, mm-hmm. I'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, it so. was very cute. Yeah, I've con- so I convinced you to also play it. You did. It mm-hmm. didn't really take much convincing. You basically said the thing you just said, and I was like, "Yes, please." So I do. You said you were um you'd been following it before it came mm-hmm. out. How did you hear about it? Was it just like a thing you saw on Twitter or browsing through itch? or
1: yeah, I don't quite remember exactly how I found it. It was probably just browsing through Twitter or browsing through itch or just like like looking at other developers that I like and seeing what they were talking about. So I had mm-hmm. found it on Itch, probably like at the time, knowing that it was gonna come out on itch and being like, "I'm going to kind of like bookmark this for later, and then their Twitter account. And the developers were just like, also, we are releasing on Steam. So when it came mm-hmm. out on Steam, I was like, this is the perfect opportunity to like really get into it now. Because it had been kind of like, I guess the word is beta for a while. They had been like adding routes over time, so you could play it, yeah. but it wasn't complete. And I downloaded it. It's free. So I was like, hell yeah. And just kind of played it
0: over a weekend and very much loved it. So, yeah. Yeah, it started as part of a game jam. Yeah. So I think that it was like in kind of active development for a while as people were were able to play it but yeah i don't think it was on my radar at all until you you brought it up and it sounded great and i played it and it was great yeah it's something that i've
1: really really liked about it is i think it's so smart how it uses the like magical girl genre because i think it's such a great touchstone to basically be like we're just taking sailor moon which is It's a very ubiquitous thing. Like a lot of people like it. Like I've watched Sailor Moon and I just like, even if you haven't, I feel like you just kind of know about Sailor Moon. So it took that and it does something like really, really fun with it. And like one of the things I say in my article about it is it basically uses magical girls as like the epitome of like like the extreme of what a gifted kid would be Mm -hmm. and then it's like that way the burnout is all the worse and it's it's a really interesting game about like the relationships between all the characters who are who were the sentinels of justice which is why i thought it was like really well done that it was basically like a dating sim visual novel kind of because it is a game kind of about relationships and like building relationships or like fixing relationships. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so I thought that was really smart.
0: Yeah, I think the like, mid 20s burnout is extremely relatable to a lot of folks. And so I think is that idea of like, having a really close group of friends when you're a kid that you then like, you know you're a kid and you think it's just like going to be like this forever and then you become adults and it's not like that forever and you grow apart and like that idea of i think a lot of people kind of have a an idea that like one day you know maybe maybe i'll reconnect with my old friends and it'll be just like it is again and i think that's like a very potent fantasy to have that like taps into some really real fears like i think as like when you you talked about the um magical girls as like burned out gifted kids thing it really gets to the heart of it because you could you could take that premise and make it a really jokey thing mm-hmm. and just like make it a complete like parody basically and I think that would work. Or you could take it and go the total like Madoka Magica route and just like lean into like how fucked up it is to have like children trying to save the world. And I think this finds a really good middle ground of like it's funny, but it's taking its premise seriously. Mm-hmm. So like the drama and all of that and the pain and all that is very it's very real and very relatable, but it's also, but the humor is, is, is there too. And like, I think that's part of it in real life as well. Like we've all had points where we've been like working dead end jobs that like, don't even pay the rent and you don't have any fucking friends except for your talking cat. I guess that part's a little less relatable, but like we've all been in similar situations like that. So it's very easy to like map kind of that struggle onto the magical girl thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I don't know, the the supernatural elements of it don't take away from how they are still real people living in the world and dealing with that stuff. And I think it does it all really well.
1: Yeah. And one of the things I think is great about the game is I, lo- I love all the characters. Like, the character yes. design is great, first yeah. off. They're all so stylish. And then on top of that, the they're just so fun to spend time with. I know. I was. I shouldn't have been shocked at all. But when you started playing, you sent me a screenshot of KJ, who's a character. And the uh-huh. moment they showed up, you were like, you just did the like, yeah, the like hot emoji. And yeah. I was like, I should not have been surprised that they are your type at all. But no. like, it's just...
0: I- I can't believe you were surprised. Yeah, but
1: they I think they just do a really good job of making all these characters like feel very unique, feel very mm-hmm. like it's very clear what their like motivations are and like how they feel about everybody. Like none of them are the same. And I it's very believable to me that like they all have relationships outside of Akiko, the main character, who's like mm-hmm. the Sailor Moon. Like one of my favorite parts is the first time you see Jackie, and it's basically like you learn that she still is in contact with like most of the other sentinels yeah and you just know nothing about their lives um and it's like ooh,
0: maybe you kind of suck a little bit it's really great again very relatable <laughs> maybe i'm the problem <laughs> yeah oh man but yeah there's design, their designs are great like you mentioned like kj has this kind of like Cool biker look, like they have tattoos and this vest, and they're just so fucking hot. And then there's like, I really love Miranda's design. Yeah, she had like the '90s like bucket, bucket hat, hat and everything. Yeah. yeah, they were all just so distinct and like even their personalities. Like Miranda like, is particularly mm-hmm. like hard to get to. Like she has a really like kind of like tough shell that she's protecting herself with. And I really like that they didn't just make all these characters like easy to talk to and like they're just like so ready to get the team back together and all you have to do is just like keep talking to them and build up your friendship points and everything's great where it's like no you can like go into a conversation with totally good intentions and still end up like pissing somebody off or saying the wrong thing because you are not aware of the way that you're coming off to people Mm -hmm. and um yeah i don't know so i just i just thought that was like i don't know a really insightful way of tackling this stuff where it's like it's even if everyone wants to be on the same page, it's hard to do that sometimes,
1: yeah. It was something that I talk about in the article is i I really love that this is a game that uses like relationship mechanics and the idea mm-hmm. of a dating sim, but that it's not exclusively about building romantic relationships. It's also about like building platonic like friendships again. But you have to do these like dating sim mechanics because, You can't just pick up these relationships where you left them off back when they were Mm -hmm. all being magical girls together. You have to build it up again because Akiko as a character has neglected everything so much that she just has no relationships with these people. And the ability that the game, like, the game lets you pursue romance if you want to with characters, but you can also just not and just build back up your group and try
0: to, like, just make everybody kind of, like, connected again, which I really like. Yeah, that was, like, kind of the route that I did. Mm-hmm. It was, like, spreading my attention between people. I really found myself just, like, getting into the character very quickly. Mm-hmm. Where, like, depending on what had happened that day, I'd be like, oh, like, I bet Miranda needs to talk today. Or, like, oh, that was a rough day. I should go talk to Elise. I know she'll be fun to talk mm-hmm. to. So it wasn't, um sometimes in, in, like, dating sims like that, you can get into a real habit of just being like, well, I want to, like, max out this relationship. You get too deep into kind of the game. Mechanic part of it that you would like ignore the story and the way that you would like actually feel like that. And for whatever reason, like, I think this game does a good job of presenting you with those, like, making everybody real enough that you would feel bad if you ignored one of them. So even if I wasn't trying to talk to someone in particular, I was like, you know, I need to go, I really need to talk to her today. Like, I think she's having a rough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I just I thought it was really well done. I, I did end up romancing Lee's though. Like, of course. I, yeah, I was. I was torn. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. It was Lise. Yeah, I I liked her. She was I liked her too.
1: I also felt like just narratively uh, with Akiko, it just she felt like the one that was most natural to form a romance Mm -hmm. with, because also she's kind of like the person outside of the past that Akiko has. So it's kind of an idea that she can build something outside of that. She's also just... She's so dang cute.
0: (laughs) She's so cute. I loved how flustered she got, like, every time a new person showed Mm -hmm. up. And she was like, "Uh, she's cute. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's she was very fun. Very relatable. But I actually didn't end up trying to do the reminiscing Mm -hmm. with KJ. I ended up talking to Jackie the most. Okay, yeah. Which should also be pretty unsurprising (laughs) that I went for the strong, tough trans woman. Mm -hmm. She's great. So, yeah, Jackie is, like... I don't know, the kind of like muscle of the group. So she had her power was this like, you know, very like fighting thing. But when you catch back up with her, she is basically running a boxing gym where she's coaching this like little girl who is someone that like the, um, the team saved when she was a kid. Uh, and it's just this really cool story of like, you know, someone who has had this like traumatic childhood trying to raise up a, a kid who who could be going down that same path and like trying to build up this kid's confidence and like give her the childhood that she never had. Uh, and I just found that, I don't know, it was really touching. There's a, there's a point if you like follow Jackie's path toward the end where she says she refers to Layla, who's a little kid as something like sh- she in some way, like refers to her as like our girl. Like like, as she's like part of this relationship you have with her, and it's just really it's it's very sweet. Um, I liked I liked Jackie a lot.
1: Yeah, I think one of my favorite relationships in the game, though, is the relationship between Akiko and Ara. Yeah. Um, just from a narrative point, I loved it yeah. so much because. And she's the first other magical girl that you run into that kind of helps start the plot along because Aki goes working like a den a- and a job in a makeup store and Ara shows up because she's a celebrity now because she mm-hmm. basically said to the world, oh yeah, I was one of those magical girls. So she becomes a celebrity. She's like super popular, doing so well. And she was the second in command. And I really liked it because there's this like... There's this judgment that Akiko has when they first reconnect, which she's basically like, oh, I can't believe you like told everyone your identity and you've used it for like fame and stuff. But there's also just like this very clear underlining that Akiko is just incredibly jealous because in some way she's like, that should have been me. Like I was the leader. I was the, like, star. Like, why am I not the one who's having this success? And just, like, watching. Like, I invested a lot of time hanging out with um, Ara and, like, talking about that relationship. Because it was so fascinating to, like, see how they, you know, reconnected and, like, navigated talking about, like, this kind of, like, broken relationship. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that was another one that was very, like... I, you really can f- understand, like, Akiko's feelings on that, where it's like, you sold out, and because of that, like, you are having a better life than the rest of us. You know what I mean? Like, we all kept our promise, and you didn't, and now you're being rewarded for that, and, like, how painful that would be to see. And also just as a person who is has had, like, you know, can have jealousy issues sometimes. Mm -hmm. That was very relatable to see. But yeah, their relationship was really interesting as it kind of got deeper.
1: It's something that I really like about this game, like kind of going back to the framework of it being a game about like burnout or Mm -hmm. like dealing with the idea that this thing that was supposed to be exceptional when they were like teenagers kind of doesn't matter anymore. And they're kind of like coming to terms with that. It's so interesting how the game shows how each character like navigated that issue that they all had to confront because they're all dealing with the same issue of being like being like oh that time i spent as a sentinel kind of is irrelevant to life now as an adult Mm -hmm. and how do i figure that out like what do i do next and for akiko akiko just kind of like becomes a failure in a lot of ways because she doesn't really know how to find what's next ara she uses it to kind of like she keeps falling back on that moment to propel herself forward by like being a celebrity i really like kj's story because it's like being separated from their time as a sentinel they were able to like realize that that whole era was kind of confining for them and now they were able to, like, come out and be non-binary and, like, live their existence. Like, everybody navigates the same issue in new ways, which Mm -hmm. I really liked. And I think the game does such a good job of, like, portraying all of these answers and also, like, they're not very... They're not heavy-handed about how you should feel about characters. Like, I don't think any of them are supposed to be seen as, like, worse than any other like not even ara who's her decision seems to be the like evilest because she Mm. kind of like abused quote-unquote this like thing they had but i think the game is very much like no 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 like you can understand where she's coming from
0: yeah and she's also very combative when she shows up so it's Mm. easy to kind of like project some kind of like ill intent on that and like if you decide not to dig further like you could just that's your idea of her. Yeah. But yeah, when you look into it, it's like her, she had very understandable reasons for doing everything she did. Mm. Yeah, the KJ story was really interesting too, where it's like this thing that's like so special and so like world-defining for everyone else, and for a lot of them a thing that they wanted, they kind of missed. And for KJ, they were like, I was like pretending to be someone I wasn't, and that sucked. And like, I'm sorry that we fell out of touch, but I was only able to find myself because we did it is like. I mean uh, yeah obviously again a thing that like, relatable that, that we can we can very much relate to is like you can have these memories of a thing that was like really hard for you and you didn't know why things were so hard and now looking back you can be like oh yeah I probably could have handled that better but I was going through some shit <laughs> Unfortunately I didn't uh get cool and learn how to ride a motorcycle but I did get some tattoos There's so still time we cool. could there still, is still time yeah.
1: I think it's also interesting how the game ends up having like having the final confrontation and how they portray the villain Mm -hmm. who ends up also having been a magical girl which Mm -hmm. was i liked it i i thought it was generally i think most of the plot beats they do kind of pay off
0: yeah i thought that was a great detail Mm -hmm. like that that she was part of this group that kind of fell apart and it's like, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, in some ways you can just see it as sort of like a cautionary tale mm-hmm. for the the sentinels where it's like if you don't get the shit under control, like you, that trauma that you suffered can become a an excuse that you use to hurt other people. I don't even want to call it an excuse, but like that can be something that if you don't deal with that pain properly, it can it can hurt other people. It really drives home that it's not just it's not just about this group of girls. It's about the pressure that was placed On people like that like it's I mean like it's it's a very like potent and pretty clear metaphor I think that like these young women are expected to do all of this work to like save literally save the world and like keep this this town like running but they're also not allowed to even admit that they're doing that Mm -hmm. work because they have to keep their identity secret so it's like this constant this constant struggle to just like hold the world together but even asking for any kind of credit for it or any kind of relief from it is like not allowed. I think it's like a really, I mean, yeah, it's like it's a great metaphor for that. And you can see exactly why someone who had gone through those pressures and then had things end as badly as, you know, Anna Lee, who's you know, that character did, why she would eventually, you know, lash out at other people and want to like reclaim some of that power or that fame. I, it was very, yeah, it was great. I really like it because it's,
1: you know, there's calls there's also an age difference between Annalee and the Sentinels. And so it's like you can see how it's like, you know, give give Akiko ten more years of like not mm-hmm. being in contact with the Sentinels. And it's like, that's her, basically, because you just yeah. have this resentment and this like regret built up. And I really
0: like that. And there's something really sad about that too. Yeah. Because like there you there could be another world in which she could have been like uh, she could have become a mentor mm. for people. You know what I mean? Like she could have, she knew how hard it was and she could have seen that other people were going through this and like shared that and helped to like bring them up. But there was just no avenue for her to do that, you know? And that's just, it's so sad. Hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. It's true. <laughs> oh
1: man. Uh, something I, I I did end up liking about it is like, they give you those little like text boxes at the end that are basically like here's where the story goes from here Mm -hmm. and there's a specific element of it that i like which is that to some extent with like some of the relationships like things kind of do fizzle out a little bit again which is natural like it's it's this thing that i like that it's like just because the Sentinels had to get back together for this big thing and they have made the, the you know, they have put in the work to like better their relationships a little bit. It, it's not like they're going to go on the next day after this and be like, they're not going to hang out every day. They're not going to be best friends again. Like some of them become more distant and it's like, it's by and large better, but th- like, I I think it's Miranda's was an interesting one. Cause it's like, Oh, you know, we, we hung out and we connected for like about a year. We were, being in contact, but then just kind of fizzled out, and then she's like, and then a few years later, I saw her again one time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's like, yeah, because that's kind of just how it goes. Like this isn't, yeah, this isn't world changing for all of these people. They're not. It's not going to go back. Nothing will ever be how it was when they were kids and they were like with each other all the time.
0: Yeah, I think that's another element of. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about that and forgot about it. <laughs> of how kind of smart the writing is, where it's not just like this thing happened and then everything was great and they stayed best friends and all the problems were solved. It's like they found a way to kind of like to heal what they needed to in their relationship and then let those relationships evolve in the way that they needed to. Mm -hmm. And for some of them, that meant going their own ways and that's fine. But like the important part was like instead of this thing where they just sort of drifted apart and left all these feelings unresolved, they actually like got to say what they were feeling and to like part on kind of more, you know, more friendly terms which you know can be just as like healing or cathartic or whatever as reconnecting with someone is being able to say like we're just making the choice that we're different people and we care about each other but we're just not going to be as present in each other's lives as we used to be
1: it's really interesting to me i think because it 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 has to do with this like issue that i feel like is very common but there's like not an easy way to talk about what is li- which is like the idea of a friend breakup because mm-hmm. it's like a friend is someone who's like so important in your life and like yeah but there's this more general perception like there's no clean cut like if you're in a like a, a relationship with someone like it's not like oh we break up we're not seeing each other anymore we're not dating with a friend it's like unless there's some massive blow up and mm-hmm. you guys have to are like i can't be like hang out with you anymore it's just kind of like a slow death yeah. And you just never know. And then sometimes it's like, I'm speaking from experience here because it's, oh man, <laughs> oh I have a lot of thought, feelings about this, but it's like uh, the death of a friendship is so weird because it can just be a very slow death. It's like mm-hmm. so slow. And then all at once, you you just decide, well, I guess that's it.
0: Yeah. It's like at a certain point, it just becomes like it would be weirder if I called them now mm-hmm. than if I didn't. And then that's just how it is. And it's like,
1: no one is wholly to blame. And so mm-hmm. both of you feel guilty because it's like, yeah. am I the asshole? Because I'm kind of calling it and being like, I guess there's nothing here anymore. But it's like, yeah. but what if I just texted them? But It's like, that's weird.
0: We, we don't do yeah. that. It's, oh, man. Because you can both be like, oh, I wish they would just call me. But at the same time, you're like... I could just call them, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. It, it's hard to remember like that you have the responsibility in that, and not to place it on another person. And like, and it's extremely hard just for anybody to not project and try to like guess what's going through someone else's head. And so I think for some of us, it's easy to when you don't have contact from someone to assume it's because they don't want to see you. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm this. We just started a therapy session. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh man do you have anything else you want to say um just that the music rules and is stuck in my head and i love the art yeah. and um while i was playing this i messaged you and i was like i should write a visual novel like this it was just so good it just made um yeah it's just really lovely i've been for whatever reason i've been in a visual novel mood lately too same but this just really like it's really extraordinary i'm like I'm very surprised that this remained a free game, actually. Yeah. It's like it's really well done. I do I'm just I do yeah, highly I suggest great. for people who do want to get this game, get it on itch
1: and donate to the developers. Like yeah. do it that way. It's like give them five bucks. It's really great. Like they put mm-hmm. a lot a lot of love into it and it's so worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a really impressive game. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really rewarding thing to to get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we both played another game game this week that I think probably hit us a p- pretty hard for both of us as well. Mm-hmm. So uh if you've listened to basically any episode of the show before, you have a pretty decent chance of having heard us mention Citizen Sleeper, which was uh the the prestigious girl mode girl of the year for last the year. The inaugural. Uh- <laughs> I think I just said girl of the year. The girl <laughs> mode game of the year for last year. A game we both like truly, truly loved. Mm-hmm. And since its release, there have been a couple of like d l c episodes that expand the story uh and the final one came out just in this last week. so we both had a chance to play it and get real deep in our feelings again about some imaginary space people uh and so we did just that
1: yeah it it came out at like one o'clock on a Thursday mm-hmm. and <laughs> I immediately played it and mm-hmm. I just texted you in the middle of the day and I was like, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, uh it messed me up pretty good. Um, it was just it's I think it's a similar thing to how I feel about like every subsequent expansion of Final Fantasy XIV where it's like the storytelling is so good and I'm so invested because I've been invested over several chapters and so was citizen sleeper which was like a game that the first like just the base game was so impactful each Mm -hmm. subsequent chapter has told such a good story that feels in relation to the base game story and like expanding and investigating some of the things that are brought up in the base game and so with this conclusion it was just like in a lot of ways it was a culmination of some stuff that I had been feeling about the game and just it ended and I was just like, Oh my god, I it's it's done this time. Like I I was messaging you. I'd had I've had Citizen Sleeper installed on my computer since it came out last year, and I haven't uninstalled it ever because <laughs> each episode was coming out and and then I finished it and I
0: uninstalled it and I was like, damn. Yeah. End of an era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, God, I don't even, we've talked about it so much. I don't even know like how to talk about it anymore, Mm -hmm. but it's, we're not going to talk about like what Citizen Sleeper is about. We've done that Mm -hmm. enough, but you know, you spend all this time in the first game as a, like a total refugee with no place to stay and you're completely alienated from your own body and have no community. And by the time these episodes start, you've like built a home for yourself and really ingrained yourself into a lot of different communities depending on how you chose to play it and even found a lot of like self-sufficiency and and you've probably found a way to like keep your body in you know keep your stabilized and all of that stuff so it just like it opens up all these different possibilities where you are now a a known member of this community someone who is like relied on and it just really lets you uh, flip that script of like going from someone who just who needs help from everyone around them just for basic survival to being someone like when there's a problem, people know they can come to you because you're you know, you've proven yourself and and that's like such a different story to tell. Uh, but all of that like history and and your memories of having been struggling in that way really make it so much more impactful. And there's a point in this early in this expansion, too, where they 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 mention that explicitly. um, I think this is one of the screenshots that I actually was able to take yeah so you meet this character named peak in one of the episodes who kind of recruits your help in facing this sort of external threat that's coming to the station so for the base game you've been dealing with mostly with these like internal kind of politics between the people there and now there's this thing coming for everyone but there's not enough like unity on the station to be able to actually pull together and and face it as a group uh and so this person peak who is who is an outsider comes to you uh and there's a moment where so peak brings up two other characters named soul and helen in this this dialogue there's a bit early on where they say you know soul you know helen they trust you to them i'm just another spacer but you are a part of this place and then your you know kind of internal dialogue is hearing someone else say it hits you hard you are a part of the eye peak is right but right now, that feels more like a weakness than a strength, and it's it's just that idea of you coming to realize that like oh I am part of this community and I do need to like think about these people in a different way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just that was one of the early parts that hit me, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm part of this place. Yeah.
1: It. The story is like very obviously meta in a way that I appreciate because the whole story is kind of about this end. Like it's it's the idea that this threat is like the could be the end of the eye and the end of these stories and the ends of all of these people you've met and very clearly for the player it is the end this is the last time we will be here and it just does a really i think it does a really beautiful job of kind of closing it out by Mm -hmm. and large and i thought it was very interesting like this was a game that through every chapter it puts storytelling first and like The player makes choices and you suffer those consequences and you just keep moving forward because that's the only way you can like live this life on the eye is you just have to go to the next day. And part of me was like worried that this last chapter would be too like too fan almost. And Mm -hmm. but then there were these beautiful moments where like you have these conversations with people that you met in the very beginning of the game like you see this bartender who like helped you get your life and you have a conversation with her. And this is the first time you've seen her since the base game. And I was just like,
0: damn. So you have conversations with people who you really helped. Oh. So did you see Lem and Mina?
1: No, I didn't. And I wonder if it's how I ended the story with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because my oh, God, I'm going to, Get choked up tough. But so the end of the original game. I i think I've mentioned it before, but uh so I followed the storyline of Lem and Mina, which is like a this dude is like a migrant worker who has taken in um a child who was like a refugee and he's like basically her her dad now and is taking care of her. And so the storyline that I chose to follow was was theirs. And so at the end of the game, I had a choice of like giving them um telling leaving the station with them or sending them off the station on their own but instead uh i chose to just say like we should all stay here like we should stay here together and help each other and it's a really emotional moment and i can't remember having mentioned this precisely but when i was getting to the ending the first time i like realized that it was coming just because like things were wrapping up and just it was clearly the end of the game so i started a recording just so i could like read back the like the dialogue that was happening and there's a section that's like 50 like short lines of dialogue or so you know it's like not a lot of time but the video that i captured it on is like 13 minutes long because i had to keep stopping to just sob (laughs) my eyes out because i was so emotional about it and so when you see lem and mina in this this chapter like as soon as they showed up i was just like shivering (laughs) with like just so much emotion so i took a bunch of screenshots so i could talk about specific things and then my computer betrayed me and like didn't save most of them but okay so i do have some of the ones that i saved here but basically there is like a there's a flotilla that's leaving the eye because there's some people who are like we can't survive this Mm -hmm. we just gotta go find another place to live and there's a point where you're like helping people load up into these ships to leave. And you see Lem and Mina are coming toward that. And I got, I was just like, no, like, Lem, and, like, what do you, no, you've got to stay here. Like, you know, this is just me in my head. It was just like, we 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 built this, like, we made this place together. Like, we all belong here. And they showed up and it turned out they were just like seeing off a woman, another character who was like a babysitter for Mina. Mm-hmm. And so... You watch as they like see off this woman and she gets on the ship and leaves and they turn to leave. And uh, you can, you know, choose to, to talk to them or not. And the, the text that you get here is, uh, this is like right after you see them like see this woman off and like come back home. You feel a sudden relief and realize that when you saw them here in this place, you thought they might be joining the evacuees. That thought filled you with inexplicable dread. Which it did. It absolutely did in real life. And like realizing that they're staying was like, I was like, I did. I felt like a genuine sense of relief that they were staying. And it's, yeah, like they they tell you, you know, they're staying and you can tell them whether you're trying to stay or leave. And I told them I was staying. Uh, and there's another line, Lem nod solemnly. Well, all right then. At least we'll all be here together. And I was just like, yeah, at least we will all be here together, man. And that, like, absolutely wrecked me. This
1: is so... This was one of the hardest moments for me is that, like, throughout this episode, they keep having people ask you if you're staying or if you're going. And I was... I literally every time someone asked me, I was like the I don't know. I chose the I don't Mm -hmm. know because it was so heart wrenching and I had no idea. And I just like, you know, I kept going through the story and you learn things. And like, first off, when you learn the cause of the flux. Mm -hmm. Oh, that moment is so good. And I was like angry, viscerally furious. But it's it is perfect for the story. But do you want to describe that moment? Sure. So basically what happened is like I'm hanging out with I, like I was going to do something for Peak because we're like I was doing this mission where we're trying to get the gardener to like infect the mm-hmm. rest of the eye. And all of a sudden, what's his name? Castor. Caster. Caster shows up. Who's this like he's this kind of shady guy. He's a, like almost like a black market guy slash also like an espionage guy. And he starts talking to me. And then eventually he's like, I'm actually here on orders from a company who has the legal rights to own this area of space, including the eye. And he basically is like, and that is what caused the flux. It is a corporate invention Mm -hmm. to literally wipe out the population of these planets and stations in the place that this company now owns because they want it because it is their legal property and they're going to be able to like mine the area for resources so they don't want these you know people living there like obviously this i mean you talked to the creator um gareth damian martin about this and they have been very open this is a game about like the dystopia of capitalism and It felt so like narratively, it feels so right for the big threat to not be some natural event and for it to actually just be a corporate piece of like horrific criminal activity. And it's so heartbreaking. And it infuriated me.
0: Yeah, it's like the way people talk about it, it's like this supernatural, like unstoppable threat. It's like, you know, displaced however many thousands of people and destroyed lives and stuff. And it just feels like this completely unstoppable, like natural disaster. And then to learn, it's like, no, it's basically like a real estate scheme. It's like these developers trying to push people out Mm -hmm. so they can bulldoze the station and like put up shitty condos or whatever, you know? That like, yeah, it is like the perfect thing for the themes of of the game. And it is so infuriating and just so it's like almost disappointing, mm-hmm. you know, where you're like, God, I can't believe it's just these greedy motherfuckers. Like you almost wish that it was some un unfightable like threat. It's just people choosing to be awful once again, you know.
1: But yeah, so like the whole time during this game, you know, you're given like two main missions or like during the episode two main missions which is like help peek protect the eye and help the like refugees get ready to move on and the whole time you're talking to people and they're like are you staying are you going and I had no idea I could I didn't know like I personally did not know and then getting closer to the end of the game I was by the refugee ships and Tala the bartender shows up and we start talking and she is like i'm going i Mm. she's like i have a brother who years ago he left to go to this next place and i'm just sitting here and she's like and i have nothing I want to go see if I can maybe reunite with him. And she talks to you. And like, I spent so much time with her in the base game. And I like helped her, you know, turn the bar into a distillery and like help her get the business running. And like, it was kind of like my sleeper's second home. And she, she talks to you and she's like, listen, I'm going and I'm leaving behind the bar, but it's this thing that is so important to me, and I think it's important to the eye, and it it's it's a it's like part of the eye. It's an important place, and she's like, and I want you to take it. She's like, I oh. want you to take the key and watch it and take the bar because she's like, because you are part of the eye, just like the bar, yeah. and it's you belong there, and. And then she asks you, like, will you take the key? And you are given like the yes, no, or like the I can't. And this is kind of like the moment for me where I decided I knew what I was doing. And I said I couldn't. Because I, 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 at this moment, I was like, you know what? I don't think I can be here anymore either. I think it's time for me to leave the eye. And it was like, it's so heartbreaking. And then you get to this point at the end where it was so... It was so rough because you see Peak and Ash for me in this whole episode they're having this massive fight and mm-hmm. at the end Ash leaves Peak stays and I wasn't able to have them stay together and I left and I go with Saul and the refugees and I leave Peak behind and Peak stays and and I'm like going off and it's like <sighs> the whole game is about how like you are finding your home And you get this Mm -hmm. home on the eye. But it was like really this thing when I was leaving of like, it was a combination of there's an acknowledgement by the game. You cannot beat the system. (laughs) You cannot beat the corporation. Because like you were saying, the flux seems to be this supernatural thing that you can't stop. And that's because in a way it is. Like the corporate power is a supernatural thing that you cannot stop. And so I was like, I'm investing in the people that I've formed bonds with. I'm going to go and go somewhere new. Like I can find a new home and be with these people, but I want to, I want to, I want to find somewhere new. And it was, it was so heartbreaking, like for me physically to make that choice, to leave the eye, even though I knew either way, this was the last time I would probably play this game and explore the eye myself as a player. But I just, even for my sleeper, I was like, I think, I think the sleeper has to go.
0: Yeah, That was so tragic. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. I'm so I'm glad that we took very different paths through this. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I mean, the whole time of my my first play of my playthrough of the base game or whatever was about building these communities in like the you know, the shadow of all these, like, horrible power structures of the eye. Mm-hmm. Like, I avoided, like, Havenage as much as possible. I avoided, like, Yadigan and the Gangs as much yeah. as possible. Like, I just tried to be, like, there's people here who are, like, good people doing their best, and I just want to make sure that they're okay. So I, like, talked to Emphis. That's why I talked to Lem and Mina. I tried to help Tala. I didn't get as far as she mm-hmm. did in in her quest, because I was, like, I think using the spores you needed for something else or whatever. So my whole playthrough of that game was as someone who came to the eye just as like a temporary stop on the way to somewhere better and ended up finding like the first home that she had ever had and like building it up into a place Mm -hmm. that like was worth was worth protecting and so for me going through this i was just like from the start i was like No, like we're staying, like we all need to band together. So, I spent like the whole time trying to convince the refugees to stay and help us and all this stuff. And like eventually, like you know, they a bunch of them leave, like whatever you do. But I was like, the whole time, whenever someone asked, I was like, no, I'm staying, we fix this place. And then I got to when you're helping um Aki do the uh, like the dust house first off, and the whole
1: Aki as a
0: character one of my favorite characters yes me mm. too she is so so mm. good she's like she's like the gardener i guess you would say of this this ship in in the fleet that's like kind of like a, a recreation of the desert that that she came from where like they're they're growing plants that are like essential to the survival of these refugees and so the storyline with her throughout this part is you're combining plants from the station and plants that they brought with them to make this like whole new ecosystem. And when I was talking to her, there's just like some really beautiful passages that describe the way that these two different ecosystems merge to like strengthen each other and to create this new thing, like these things that seem completely incompatible coming together and forming this, this relationship and this new, this, you know, kind of symbiosis. And she asked like, are you, are you coming with us? And that was the first time that I was like, I don't know. Cause I like, I really stopped and thought and I was like, wow, like I have this home here and I love it, but like, there is something, maybe there is something better out there. And like, maybe there is like, maybe instead of clinging to this old thing and trying to make it work, we can like create something better. Eventually I I did end up staying, but that was the one moment where I was just like, yeah, I'm like really imagining my life out there. And I think it could be something like better than what I have here. But then I, yeah, I don't know. Eventually I had to just kind of come back to like, we've worked so hard for this and there are so many people staying.
1: I think Um, for me, it was one of those things where my mentality, every time I have been playing through this is, it was like about investing in the community and investing in the people mm -hmm. But there is an understanding for me that like a community is not beholden to a place and that, you know, it's something that the game is constantly telling you in a lot of ways, even before you get to the episodes where it's like the eye is a decrepit, dying place in a lot of ways. And it's held together just by, you know, duct tape, kind of. There is almost an understanding where I, I don't want to force people to stay here just for my comfort. I want them to be able to live the best life they can because that's what I wanted for myself. And throughout the game, that meant helping the people in my community. That's why I invested so much time with them. But, like, for me, when it came to Lem and uh, Mina, is that it? Lem and Mina, Mm -hmm. I helped them get on that ship. And it was a really heartbreaking moment for me because I was like, don't worry, I'm coming with you fully knowing that I was lying to them because I was so scared that if I told them I didn't want to go, they would stay. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, this isn't good for you. Like, this isn't good for Mina's future. I just need you guys to have that life that you will be able
0: to live a good life. So I sent Lemon Mina on the ship. That's yeah. If Lemon Mina had left in this episode, (laughs) I would have like when they were getting on board, I was like, I guess I'm going with them. I, but like when they stayed, I was like, I'm staying. I thought about
1: that a lot when I was playing the episodes because I was like, I did that for them. I should allow myself that possibility. And when I saw uh, so many people great. that I had helped kind of also being like, you know, as much as the I has been our place and as much as the I was important for us building a community, we can have a community anywhere. It is not mm-hmm. the I. The I is a piece of corporate garbage, That is not our home. Our home is each other. And like, yeah, Aki is a character I completely got connected to so fast. And I think it's also because um, I put so much time into Rico also during the main playthrough, the botanist of the eye. Yeah. And there's this I don't know if you had this moment. There's a moment during the last episode where I was hanging out with the refugees, getting them ready, and Rico and Aki have a conversation. Hmm. And it just. No, I
0: didn't finish like Rico's stuff. Oh my so.
1: God. It was so great. Cause like, so Rico's the botanist of the eye and Aki is the botanist of the refugees. And so during this time where they're preparing the refugees, they have a connection and they talk. And like, it's so beautiful. Cause Rico like sees this other beauty that she's never seen. And like, you know, is like, this is so beautiful. And I, I see the importance of this and like, like obviously she does. And she, she has this childlike wonder and it's almost like an Aki is even like, well, you could stay with us and like, you could help us out. We'd value your knowledge so much. And we talked to Rico and Rico's like, listen, I can't come. She's like, the eye has been my life. I've spent so much time here. And like, she's like, realistically, I'm old. And I just Mm want to lay down in the fields that I farmed and know one day I'm just going to lie down and not get back up. And that's going to be where I where I die. But it's like, that's the work I did. And I'm fine with that. And it was so heartbreaking. But it was another one of those moments, I think, where I just knew that it was like not going to be for me to stay because she was like, look, I I've spent my time doing this, but like there's still time for you. And it was like. Having realistically not been on the eye for so long, like we have just gotten our freedom in so many ways, still like it didn't feel good for me to give it up, and it's so heartbreaking for me. After you get like the ending, you you hear what happens for the refugees, and you hear what happens on the eye, and like it was so hard because even though I had done, I had given Peek everything they needed to make the eye prepared, and it does kind of work. Like the growths do happen and stuff. Mm -hmm. It just keeps going on and it says like, and time goes on and the new company comes in and that's just how it is. Mm. And it's just like, oh man. And it's, for mine, it was very interesting because it talks about how you're on the ship, you're on the refugee ship for a while and you like have this community, but then you get to the, you get where you're going and you step off the ship one day. And you look back at and you're like looking back at the eye and the ship that you have called a home and you're looking forward and you're like, and now I have to go again
0: and start again. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I like I said, I chose to stay. So I did have quite a different ending for that Mm -hmm. where there is like I like that it's not just like and then the eye is saved and everything is perfect. But you are able more to like fight back against the the kind of corporate encroachment mm-hmm. on it. So yeah, there is a cool moment when like the refugees leave and you kind of see them going as like this possibility of like a better future and like kind of seeing them off and like wishing the best for them but knowing like you're staying here and like you you know you've got to do what you can to to make this place work. And there's a lot of stuff about um peak, like you and peak relying on each other and just being in this like broken place that is like trying to swallow you whole and just being like the ending looks years and decades into the future and like tells you all these things that are happening um, and then comes back to like, but right now you, it's just you and this person you've become close to and you're just like holding on to each other and trying to make this thing the best that you can. Can I read another passage? Please, please do. Okay. So this is the last thing that happens in my playthrough like in my, the last bits of my ending. So yeah, it tells the story of like all these things that are going to happen, mm-hmm. like and the ways that the station deals with it. But for now, there is only you and peak arms around each other, walking slowly out of the bay, two figures born of crippled systems linked together, continuing despite your origins. And in this frozen moment, you focus only on the next step, because that is the only way you have learned to persist. And to persist is to believe that a future, any future at all, is possible. And that, that was the end of my game. And I was like, damn, got me again, Gareth Damien Martin. It's one
1: of those things where it's like, uh, obviously, there's no canon ending. And I think I think this game does a really mm-hmm. good job first off of being like, an ending is not an ending, like there are there, the possibilities will go on into the yeah. future. But like, specifically with your ending, it's so interesting, because when you were talking to them, Um, One of the things they talked about is the explicit transness of of Citizen Sleeper. Mm -hmm. Obviously, in the moment we are in now, your ending specifically feels so accurate and, like, in a weird way, in a weird way, hopeful. Because it's, like, Mm -hmm. in this broken system that explicitly is trying to expunge everybody on the eye, like, these people who are not wanted can, like rely on community and rely on each other and make a better future
0: yeah (sighs) it's like just continuing to exist as that person Mm -hmm. is like spitting in the face of the people who are trying to take that future from you and i think that's like the most beautiful form of resistance possible yeah is just being like yeah you know what maybe you're gonna win like you have a lot more power than us but fuck you like we are never going to stop fighting you for it. Oh, man. Like, I think that's, I don't know, that's such a, a beautiful thing of, like, the one thing we have that you will never have is solidarity, mm-hmm. and that's what we're going to stick to. Mm-hmm. And I I really, I love that oh, so Oh, there's much. a specific moment
1: that I'm curious about. Um, there was one moment where it's the last time I see, I saw a caster, mm-hmm. and I think it's right before I, like, leave, and you get your final decision to, like, leave or stay. And caster's basically, like, listen, I just want to talk to you one more time. Mm-hmm. And it gives you the option to like hear him out or just walk away. And I was just like, go fuck yourself. And I just walked away.
0: Yeah. I just, yeah. Um, I listened to him and then told him to go fuck himself. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> just because I was, int- I was mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is it this mm-hmm. time, man? You know, it was just this guy who keeps coming up and like, like telling me horrible plans that I should do. And I was just mm-hmm. like, what do you want? Yeah, Like I'll listen to you, but I'm not going to actually respond to you. So that reminds me of, um, the moment that I really wanted to talk about, but that my screenshot didn't work for mm-hmm. was when you're talking to Caster, and there's a point where he like does, you know, he uses some device or something to like, because you have this like robotic mm-hmm. body to lock it up. So you actually can't move and can't react and can't speak. And there's a line that's something about like this the weight of these systems are, are, are like preventing you from acting. And it's it's taken away control of your own body. And I like I wish I could remember because like this has no impact when I'm saying it this way. But however it was phrased, like I read that line and just burst out crying. And I think that's where that stuff where like if the experience you're projecting onto that is as a trans person, like that hits extremely hard. And I just, like, found myself, like, before I even had time to, like, internalize what that line meant, I was just, like, sobbing mm-hmm. with with the, I don't know, the feeling of, like, fear and helplessness that that imparted. Yeah, I don't know. If I knew what the line was, this would be a much better thing to talk about. But I just, it was, yeah, just one of those moments where I was like, damn, there's a lot packed into yeah. that.
1: <laughs> well, it's good to know that um, we have Godi 2023 sorted, and it's just citizen yeah.
0: sleeper. Again? Still got it. Citizens Sleeper. Oh, man. Seriously? <laughs> um, yeah. It's like, it's a it's a gorgeous game. Um, yeah. I don't know even what else there's to say about it. It's just, a, it's a beautiful thing and I'm glad that it exists
1: <laughs> and I'm glad that I got to continue yeah. playing it. I'm sure over the next year,
0: we will figure out more things to say about it. 100%. Yeah. We got to find a new game to never shut up about. <laughs> we'll find something. I'm sh- Maybe it'll be Life After Magic. I Maybe. Don't know. But yeah, that's the end of Citizen Sleeper. <gasps> so sad. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I have no I have nothing intelligent to say about no. it. It's just great. Uh besides that, what else have uh you been up to? Yeah. So as I um sort of clumsily brought up at the beginning of this episode the uh TTRPGs for Trans Rights Bundle is still up for a couple more days. Uh, and so I just wanted to shout out a couple of games that that are interesting. So kind of two of the big headlining games are Wonder Home and Thirsty Sword Lesbians, which are the ones everyone kind of already knows. We talked about a bit when Rue was on mm-hmm. the show they're great games you should definitely check them out but i wanted to shout out a couple of other things that maybe are a little smaller uh there's uh so there's a supplement in this bundle called uh wooden sword thespians which is an alternate setting for thirsty sword lesbians where you play as a high school drama class uh and it looks really really wonderful yeah um yeah it's great uh so rue actually has a game in here called i want your bite which is like the bachelor with vampires uh and it's really good um that sounds right up my alley it sure is. It, it's this is the one that I read uh, that one class to you the other day. There's a class, a character class in here called the boss, and their three skills are gaslight, gatekeep, guillotine, <laughs> uh, and I think that's great. There's also a supplement for that game called I Want Your Pact, which is actually more of a hack of the game where you play as like a warlock trying to romance demons, mm-hmm. and that seems really cool. So some other ones that I haven't actually played, but like I've read through and look interesting. There's a game called My Wings, even where, where you play as like teenage uh, like fairies, teenage fae, That seems very very cool. Uh, there are a lot of like explicitly like trans and queer games in the bundle, as you might imagine. So there's uh, there's a game in here called Transatlantis, which is described as a game of transgender sky pirates in the twenty second century, uh, which sounds very cool. It's a, it's a longer game, so I haven't actually read much of it. We mentioned on that episode, This Party Sucks, which is a game about like you just had like a big breakup and now you're at a bad party and trying to like not think about your ex. Uh, that's a really, really good game. There's one that I mentioned to you earlier called Lesbians Built This Farm, which is about being lesbians and running a farm that, that looks really lovely that I want to try. Oh, um, there's a game in here. It's a one page game. It's called Gender Crisis. Uh, and I'm going to I'm gonna read this entire game to you right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, this game references tumbling blocks. So there's a lot of games that use like Jenga towers, but you can't say Jenga because it's copyrighted. Yeah. So they call them tumbling blocks. So here's the whole game. It's, oh, the full name of the game is a game that will force you to stop procrastinating your gender crisis. Set up a tower of tumbling blocks somewhere sturdy where you will see it often. Every time a conversation causes you to think about your gender, pull a block. When the tower falls, ask yourself, is my gender the same as it was when I built this tower? It doesn't matter what the answer is. The point is to confront the question. You can repeat this game as many times as you need or want to. And that's the game. That is amazing. Tablet- I told you, Will, a tabletop RPGs are amazing. I, just to call it a couple more, there's one called Do Not Lie Down, Do Not Roll Over. And this is made for the Trans Fucking Rage Jam. Um, it's a really intense game about like confronting being misgendered or someone like betraying you in a way. Uh, but it's a really interesting and like obviously very queer game. I think the final one I want to just shout out in this like rapid fire thing that I'm doing right now uh, is a game called Elf Genders. There's So it's described this way. Elf Genders is a world building tool for your own new systems of fantasy genders. Most humans are women, men are non-binary, but maybe elves are something else. Elf Genders helps you decide what. And it's just a lot of tables you can roll out roll on to uh create new genders <laughs> which is fun Hell yeah um oh there's also one more i want to shout out specifically for you Willa, is a game called rod reel and fist which i when i read it out i'm loud, sorry what, sounds, so
1: why is this which for i'm me? now
0: realizing sounds sexier than it actually is it's a fishing game oh hell yeah yeah it's not what it sounds like <laughs> i was like excuse me um, yeah Anyway, so yeah, what I'm shouting out this week is the bundle, once again. um, Go donate your money. Uh, It's currently at $244,000, currently has a $250,000 goal. Um, And go listen to our episode with Rue if you want to hear more about it, or if you just want to hear them talk about it in a really eloquent way more than I can. So that's kind of been my week, is trying to read Mm -hmm. through a bunch of those games and, you know, maybe find a game that we could potentially play one day. Yeah, We'll see. Stay tuned. (laughs) But... That's that's been my week. Uh, what have you been up to this week, Bella? So
1: I'm using this to shout out something I haven't actually watched yet, but is <laughs> cool. it's an anime based on a manga that I really really love, and the first episode just came out today. So it's an anime called Hell's Paradise, and the way people talk about it is it's called like one of the big three like modern action manga in combination mm-hmm. with chainsaw man and jujutsu kaisen so hell's paradise the the pitch for it is basically it takes place during the Edo period and what happens is there's this lost island off the coast of japan that's basically this legendary island which might hold the elixir of life that would make you immortal so the emperor of japan what he does is he's like i want to get this but every Group of soldiers I send there, they disappear and they go away forever. The only thing we've seen is one body that was sent back in a boat and it was growing flowers all over it. And so what he decides is the only way that I can do this is I'm going to collect the worst criminals in Japan who are in, like, who we have locked up, and I'm going to get them and I'm going to pair them with a elite samurai so each criminal gets paired with a samurai because the samurai are basically there to watch them make sure they don't get the elixir of life and then leave or to kill them if they do anything wrong Mm -hmm. and the only way a criminal can get off the island is if they bring the elixir of life and they are still with their samurai and then they come back and they will be given a free pardon And so it follows a group of all of these pairings that are sent to the island, but mainly it follows a ninja named Gabimaro and a swordswoman um, who is named Sagiri. And they're like a pairing and it follows them mostly. And they get to the island and very, very quickly, everybody realizes that it's incredibly dangerous and there's a lot of stuff going on here that is way more serious than it seems there's the possibility that like angels or gods are on this island um there's a lot of stuff that happens in it it's it's incredibly well done and um i don't think it's like a it's not just Action. It's not just bland action. There's a lot of incredible character work that goes into it. Also, as the story goes on, I really like this story because I think it has one of the best um women loving women couples uh in a manga. And I really, really cool. ship them. It's a really, really, <laughs> really well done. Um, so the the anime just started. It's called Hell's Paradise. You can watch it on Crunchyroll. But yeah. Amazing. But yeah, I think that's it. So go also, again, go listen to Press Start. Listen to all their episodes, yeah. but listen to the one we're on. Yeah, it was and fun. And then you can listen to Girl Mode anywhere you listen to podcasts. And you can find us on Twitter at Mode underscore pod and on co-host at girlmode dash pod. I'm on both of those
0: places at The Willow Row. And I'm both of those places at Robin Bombus. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening. Bye. That's it for what we somehow thought was going to be a short episode. This week. I know it's yeah. <laughs> and here we are. Maybe one of these days. <laughs> Wait, who's introducing us today?
1: Uh, you. Fine.
0: You. Okay. It's not a problem. <laughs> All right. Um, sorry. <laughs> well, I'm a mess. Okay. Look at me. Look at me. That's
1: not get helping. It, get it together. It's <laughs> not helping.
0: Um. Okay. Listen. You're so good. You got it. Thank you. Oh my gosh, you're so <laughs> nice to me all the time and you never say mean things to me. Okay. I'm gonna start now. Okay.